Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, June 14th, 2021. How does somebody get saved? How does somebody become a Christian? Well, how did the world get created? And what we're going to see today is there is a connection and there is a similarity between those answers. And we're going to see that as we get started in an amazing chapter and really one of my favorite stretches of scripture here in 2 Corinthians by just looking at 2 Corinthians 4 and verses 1 through 6. And it says in verse 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So there we see, how does somebody get saved? Well, it compares it to the creation of the world. How did the world get created? God said, let there be light. Boom. And there was light. Well, it's very similar in the life of an unbeliever who is dead in sin. God says, let there be light. And boom, eyes are opened and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is seen by the heart for the first time. And that causes someone to embrace Jesus Christ. And so we see the power of God. And why is that let there be light uh, necessary? Well, it talks about the problem that the unbeliever has. It says in their case, talking about those who are perishing, those who do not believe, it says the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so we have to grapple with some of the language that scripture uses to describe the condition of the unbeliever. And this passage refers to the unbeliever as blind. Think of Ephesians 2, which describes the unbeliever as dead, dead in sin, right? The the dead person cannot walk, cannot live. The blind person cannot see. And I think as we really grapple with the strength of those illustrations and what the scripture teaches, we have to see that to some extent, the sinner without God intervening cannot accept Christ because they are blind and they are dead. Now, we also know from scripture that does not absolve the unbeliever of responsibility. And even I think our blindness is partially due even to our own sinful choices and as we've rejected God, but we are blind. We are dead and we will not accept Christ unless God says, let there be light. And then we we can see who Christ is. And I love that picture because it shows us that really becoming a Christian does involve more than just accepting something with your mind. It's really embracing something with all that you are, not just because you think it's factually true, but because You have now seen it to be right and good and beautiful. Listen again to verse six, where it says, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, right? It's not just he opened up our eyes to realize, 
oh, Jesus was a real person and he died on the cross and rose again. No, it's the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, right? And, and that's something where even unbelievers in churches all over the country, right? They they accept certain facts about Christ, but their eyes have not been opened to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, to truly see that God is glorious and good and beautiful and worthy of our worship, worthy of our lives, worthy of repentance and faith. And so even as we think about these truths, we start to get again into some deep, deep theological waters. Okay, well, how does that work? And and how does God's sovereignty work with human responsibility, right? Because if you're saying the unbeliever is blind, are they responsible? Well, scripture clearly teaches they are responsible. But also I think we see God's sovereignty that unless God kind of steps in to open the eyes of an unbeliever, that they will not accept the gospel. And so that's going to affect your evangelism where you need to realize anybody that you're sharing the gospel with, something needs to happen. That person's eyes need to be opened by God. But that's where we get into one area that's often brought up in this whole discussion of God's sovereignty and human responsibility, and that is evangelism. And some people kind of give in to this idea that, hey, if we believe in human responsibility, well, then we should be evangelizing all the time, everybody, as much as we can. And if we believe in God's sovereignty, well, then why would we evangelize? I mean, why would you do that? I mean, it's up to God. God has to open their eyes. So why should I talk to him? Well, now we start to, if we go down either one of those roads too far, we can get away from what scripture teaches. And that's another thing we really want to see here in 2 Corinthians 4. Okay, if God is sovereign, and if he needs to open their eyes, what impact should that have on our evangelism? Well, let me tell you straight out, if you think that God being sovereign and him having to open the eyes of an unbeliever means that we should be less passionate about evangelism, you're not reading the Bible, right? Or you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading, which is the only one that there is, right? We look at God's word, and clearly he wants us to be sharing the gospel. So let us make sure we forsake any idea that would lead us to believe and to act that, well, if God's sovereign and he has to open their eyes, then somehow I should be less passionate and involved in evangelism. No, we need to reject that. But also we need to reject something else. And that's what we see here in this passage. Remember, look at verse four, sorry, the beginning of chapter four, verse one. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And so now we start to see how this really works. If we really understand God, God's sovereignty and we understand that he needs to open the eyes of the unbeliever, how should that affect our evangelism? Well, it should cause us to evangelize. Look again at verse one, don't lose heart, keep going, keep sharing your faith. And also it should cause us to make sure I'm evangelizing God's way. And what do I mean by that? Well, he talks about it. I'm not just trying to manipulate people. I'm not just thinking, well, if I manipulate their emotions enough, then they'll come to Christ. No, and they're blind. And unless God opens their eyes, they're going to stay blind. But 
what I am called to do is this open statement of the truth, right? And that's something I know at my church, that's what I want one of our convictions to be, that we are going to go about God's work, God's way, that we are going to evangelize by spreading the gospel, telling people the good news, this open statement of the truth. We're not trying to hide anything. We're not trying to water down anything. We just want to be straightforward in teaching God's word. And as we do that, we can be confident this thing that is described here where God's going to open somebody's eyes, that's going to happen. Therefore, we're not going to lose heart. We're going to do God's work, God's way, and then trust that he is going to work his way, right? That, that's how we want to think about it. And I know, again, we start to sail into some deep theological waters there, but it's best for us to really not go too far down any rabbit hole that's just, well, this is, this is kind of what I think logically follows from whatever this thing is. No, we stick to what God's word says. Yes, we need God to open people's eyes, but we're not going to give up. We're going to do his work his way, the open statement of the truth and trust that he will work as we do that. So I hope that encourages us as we see this amazing chapter. I love the language of verse six there, that God shines in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we should be so passionate about more and more people getting that, right? We want to be passionate, right? Should the concern of hell motivate us to evangelize? Absolutely. But also we should be so passionate that people, man, there's this glorious God out there who has shown himself to us through Jesus Christ. And some people can't see that and, and they won't see that. And we need to tell them about it and trust that God will open their eyes to see the truth of that message. And we looked at Psalm 72 yesterday and we're finishing up the Psalm today as we read verses 12 through 20. And again, it's a royal psalm, a good pattern for us even to pray for those in authority in our own lives. But look at how it ends. In verse 18, it says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Right? May the whole earth be filled with his glory. That should be the cry of our hearts. God, we want more and more people even to see your glory. That experience of having their eyes open to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, we want more people to experience that. That should be our passion. That should lead us to evangelize and to spread the truth and trust that God is going to do the work that, yes, only he can do. The work of opening people's eyes. Well, as we think about the gospel, we're really getting to one of the events that's the heart of the gospel in Mark 15, as we look today at verses 1 through 15. And here we're going to really see Jesus before Pilate. And again, um, it's a sad scene. It's a weak scene where even uh, you, you see a little bit here, but you see maybe more in some of the other gospels how Pilate is totally unconvinced that Jesus has done anything seriously wrong. But because he cares more about political pressure and appeasing the crowds, he delivers Jesus Christ over to be crucified. And there we're going to see some of the danger that there are other things that can be more important in our lives that end up drawing us away from Christ. 
For Pilate, even though he wasn't convinced that Jesus had done anything wrong, he gives Christ up because clearly he valued the, the, the approval and, and wanted things to be politically smooth more than he wanted Christ. And we're going to see something else as we wrap up today in 1 Kings 10 and 11, another thing that draws somebody away from God. And we're going to see kind of the sad ending of the story of Solomon and read about the many wives that he had and how they turned his heart away from God. And you need to be aware that there are going to be things that come up in your life that will tempt you and seek to turn your heart away from God. For Solomon, it was women, and that might be the same for you, even. Uh, Doing high school or college ministry for many years, it struck me how often I would find a young man or a young woman who was, it seemed that God was doing some great things in their life. Maybe they had just gotten saved, or perhaps they just really seemed to be growing in a way that they never had before. But then it almost seemed like clockwork, right when they really seemed to be hitting their stride, in comes this boy into the young girl's life, or in comes this girl into that young man's life that they seem to be really attracted to, but that person doesn't seem to be on fire for Christ. And it it seemed like, oh, a temptation to draw them away from Christ. And again, it might be something very different for you, but beware of those things that would draw us away from God, any light that would seek to shine brighter than the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So may we be committed to seeking God and not being letting anything turn us aside in that pursuit, but may we also just be committed to his purpose of evangelism and the open statement of the truth, doing God's work in God's way, and our hearts cry being, God, let the whole earth be filled with your glory. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.